Sure, Michael, welcome. Joe, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I have to say, we don't have time for chit-chat on this podcast. <laughs> no time. No time for chit-chat. We had... We, we, it's been a disaster trying to get this podcast recorded. It's just been an absolute disaster. We think maybe we have the problem solved, but... Technically, it's been it's been a nightmare. Am I right? A nightmare. Which attempt? Which attempt is this? Is this four or five? <laughs> I believe this is attempt five. To I get think it might be five. Recorded. Yeah, yeah. And let's and let's be honest. It, it shouldn't it shouldn't be this hard. It just should not be this hard. Clearly, we are doing something very very wrong. Yeah, that thing is attempting to record a podcast. We you, we shouldn't be doing like this is a it's a very clear message is being sent to us, which is that we shouldn't be. This is the wrong thing for you and me to be doing. A wrong way for us to spend our time. We should be doing something else. We should be outside. We should be on a picnic. We should be spending time with our families. Literally anything but trying to record a podcast. Yes, I, I think that's all true. Although I'm, I'm not good at any of that stuff either. So you know, like picnicking. I, I, we, you know, I wish I was better at picnicking. I see people out picnicking and they look like they're having the greatest time ever. Just the great. And I'm out there and I'm just. I hate. To, I'm kind of miserable. I'm like I'd rather be eating inside. Like inside is better. Oh, picnics are terrible. I wasn't serious when I said I thought we should be picnicking. They're, they're the, it's the worst. I don't get it. I don't understand it. People love it. All right. So since we apparently seem to be recording this podcast, uh, we can catch up because we actually have two sponsors now on the podcast, which is insane. Um, but we do. And and so our first sponsor is, of course, Blue Apron. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Uh, their mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. We, of course, use Blue Apron here at my house. Uh, every Saturday, the box comes. We all rush to the door. It's, it's sort of like a Norman Rockwell thing, like, ooh, you know, the, the, the Wells Fargo wagon is coming. And then we get the box, and we unpack it. Uh, all sorts of great fresh ingredients. We put them into different piles. We have the, the uh, cool um, recipe cards. I can't recommend it more highly and if you go to blueapron.com forward slash podcast p-o-s-c-a-s-t you get your first three meals free and we're going to get michael shore eventually to use blue apron am i right we are going to get you to do that right i mean yeah eventually i'm going to do it and it, it, it has nothing it says nothing about the quality of the product that i haven't done it yet it's only it's purely my own laziness but i'd also like to say right off the bat that although i i believe the product to be a good product and i'm happy that they sponsor us i'm calling bs on the idea that your entire family rushes to the door when the blue apron <laughs> box shows up i mean there's literally nothing that could in modern life that could cause that to happen much less a food delivery service yeah that's true no, that's. I mean, yeah. I, if you were, if you I were painting them, a picture, I appreciate that. But it, but let's let's just call it what it is. It was a bald faced lie. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. I wouldn't say. All right, it was a bald faced lie. But I would say if we could like convince my youngest daughter that there's like some sort of uh, Pokemon Go connection or something, I could get her there. And and sure. if uh, if there were like 
dear Evan Hansen tickets. You know, I can get my older daughter. I could, we could make it so if they included enough stuff in the box, I could get everybody rushing to the front. But no, probably not enough just to have uh, excellent uh, fresh ingredients. Probably not enough to get no, the whole family. No. But that's life. So it goes. All right. So um, we're going to do a very quick Yankee Minute. And then we're having Wait, our don't we have, we have a second sponsor, though. you got to get to our second sponsor. We do, but I was going to do our second sponsor before the draft. See how I plotted oh, this out? Like oh, I, okay. Like a little, like a little, like a little. We'll give them a little content, and then right to the second ad. It's very exciting. <laughs> so they get their money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. You you want the podcast listener to feel like uh, we're not just uh, you know doing this for the ads. We're doing this for them. Uh, even though we're not doing it for them or the ads, frankly, because we don't. I, I I haven't seen a dime. Have you seen a dime from this thing? Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, I like. I bought a new car with the money <laughs> that rolled in. I'm driving a Tesla now. Yeah, it's it's about time you start using Blue Apron after they buy you a Tesla for crying out loud. <laughs> Here's the coolest thing about this week's podcast: we are we are doing our Yankee Minute, and we have. Actual scary Yankee minute music, which is which is. Are you ready for this? Are you ready to hear this? Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. Here it is. How, how great is that? How I mean, it's it's that? appropriately scary for what's going on. I would say <laughs> it is. I want to thank uh, Jesse Barber for uh, uh, bringing us our scary Yankee music. Uh, there's a story behind uh, Scary Yankee Music, that whole baseball thing, which we'll, we'll tell you at another, uh, on another podcast. But it is, it is beyond scary at this point with the Yankees. I don't, even think, I don't even know if you can be scared. I mean, like, if you know the house is haunted uh, and you've seen ghosts already, at that point, can, you don't have to be scared anymore, right? You just know that your life is, is haunted and doomed. And that's sort of where we are with the Yankees, right? Yeah, we're dead. We're all dead. Um, and, and the, and the way that you know that we're all dead is that, uh, I mean, let's start, we'll start with the, the Red Sox who were the prohibitive favorites to win the AL East at the beginning of the season. Um, Gary Sanchez not hitting was one of the only bright spots for non-Yankee fans. And now Gary Sanchez, he missed like the whole first month of the season. He has played in 35 games. And as of last night, he now has more home runs than anyone who has played 61 games on the Red Sox. (laughs) Uh, that's a, that's crazy. That's truly crazy. And he's hit all. He has ten homers now. He's hit all of them in the last like forty eight hours. It seems like. And then the Aaron Judge uh, hit the longest and hardest home run ever. Well, the hardest home run ever hit uh, according to it since Statcast started keeping track right. of such things. It went almost five hundred feet. He hit it to a part of Yankee Stadium that is so unfamiliar with home run balls being hit that the announcers didn't even know, like Michael Kay didn't know what to say when it, when it landed. He was, he, his signature home run called is Sia and he draws out the, the S and he drew it out a really long time because he just got lost in thought. Like he got, he got kind of like his, he, he went on a spiritual journey as he watched the flight of the ball to left center field. And he just kind of like stopped talking. It was really weird. And this team I mean, they, they have, they now have, um, you know, the going into the season again, you would say the Red Sox had the most, an outfield that was the envy of the league because they had, it was Benintendi and left. 
Jackie Bradley Jr. in center and Mookie Betts in right. Those are three young homegrown players, all of whom have the potential to be really good two-way players, really good defensively. Jackie Bradley and, and Mookie Betts both like call a gold glove candidates. Mookie was the second, it was the runner-up in the MVP voting last year. And then Benintendi, who was like the number one prospect in baseball. Now, wouldn't you take the Yankee outfield? Probably. Already? So I mean, you'd take Judge, Aaron Hicks, Judge. And, and Gardner? Probably, Gardner, right? right. Um, I'd take him for this year. I mean, how could you, how could you not? I mean, um, yeah. what do you think the, what do you think the war difference is between those three, uh, you know, those two outfields right now? It's insane. I mean, this year, I'm, I almost guarantee you the Yankees is higher. Gardner already has like 13 homers. Judge oh, is, is your current, yeah. Judge is your triple cap crown leader right now. He, Judge has the highest batting average, most home runs, most RBIs. He's, I think he scored the most runs. I think he's first in walks. And he also is apparently a very good defensive right fielder. Who knew? Uh, it, I mean, it's really, it's really awful. And I need I remind you, and, and by the way, there's also, there's still like insane things about the team. Like Starlin Castro has a 900 OPS and Matt Holiday has oh, somehow Holiday. found the fountain of youth. And all of this, and, uh, and, and all of their pitchers, like, you know, Sabathia, who's 36 years old, 37 years old, and, and probably should be out of baseball is pitching as well as he's pitched in years, and Luis Severino is suddenly a, is suddenly an ace. And even though their best pitcher coming into the year, I mean, how many teams can absorb this? Tanaka was their best pitcher coming into this season. He's having a blow-up year, an absolute disaster of a year, and yet they're running. They're going to run away with the division. <laughs> I, it's like if if that if Chris Sale if that happened to Chris Sale, the Red Sox would be completely falling apart. But somehow or another, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter with this team. Well, the thing that drives me, I mean, there's so many things that drive me nuts about this Yankee team, but I think if I had to pick one thing, it is that they have become from from the depths where there was nothing interesting about them, nothing likable about them, nothing hopeful about that team. I mean, for two or three years, there was nothing hopeful. I mean, they still somehow managed to be over 500 and whatever and, and stayed in contention way longer than they did, but... They were just a bunch of overpaid old guys. Nobody wanted them around anymore. It wasn't, even for Yankee fans who, who never seemed to bottom out, it was no fun. Now, Aaron Hicks is like one of the best players in baseball, and nobody even knows about him because they're so loaded with with all of the, you know, I mean, there's been so much Aaron Judge talk, and, and you know, like you said, Gary Sanchez wasn't hitting at all, and then one day he hit... He's became the second guy in baseball, you know, since the StatCast era began to hit 210 mile per hour home runs in the same game. Only Giancarlo Stanton has done that. They have all of these players having all of these breakout years that nobody even notices that Aaron Hicks is like a 165 OPS plus and is a good center fielder and runs, steals bases. And it's like he's like a star and nobody even knows. That's how quickly. It has become like just a, just a, you know, ugh, it's, um, um, Okay, but let me, let, but like, before we wrap this up, but let me, let me just ask you this, though, because as you know, my belief about the Yankees is that there is some kind of supernatural wind in their sails at all times. Right. Like, they, right. in the years where they should utterly collapse and win 70 games, they somehow managed to be, you know, win 85. And in the, you know, they, Aaron Hicks is the latest example of this because, okay, Aaron Judge, 
you get it. He's bigger than Gronk. So when he hits a 500-foot home run, you're like, okay, that's what guys who are bigger than Gronk tend to do. And and Gary Sanchez, like you, like we said a while ago, was a, was always a highly touted prospect. It was just a question of whether we could put it all together. But let's talk about Aaron Hicks for a second. Aaron Hicks is not 23. He wasn't a uh, like he wasn't a superstar in the making. Now, granted, he was a first round draft choice. He was, but he was a first round draft choice in 2008, ten almost right. ten years ago, right? And uh, nine years ago, and he is 27 years old. He's almost 28 years old. He's turning 28 in October. Aaron Hicks was drafted by the Twins. In the four years that he has played in the majors before now, I'm going to give you his OPS plus. Ready? 63, 76, 98, 64. He has not only never been an average player, uh, which is what a 100 OPS plus would be. He's even been, really, except for, except for uh, 2015, he's even been close to an average player. His OPS plus last year was 64. He hit 217 with a 281 on base percentage and a 336 slugging percentage in 123 games, in 361 plate appearances. That's a decent sample size. And for his career before now, he had played in 370 games which is a decent number of games, and he's 27 years old. Now, out of nowhere, in his first 50 games of this year, he's hit 10 home runs, which is one away from his career high. He is hitting 317, which is 100 points higher than he hit last year in 123 games. His OBP is 429, which is 150 points higher than it was last year. His OPS is over 1,000, 400 points higher than it was last year. And his OPS plus is 165, 100 points higher than it was last year. How do you explain that? You don't. You can't explain that. You cannot explain a 27-year-old, essentially journeyman, who had never hit, who'd never had a batting average above 256 in any season before now, suddenly hitting like, I mean, who, like, what is this? This is better. His OPS Better than like anything Jeter ever had in his entire career. How do you explain this? And granted, it's only 50 games, and maybe it'll he'll come back to earth. But why is it that it's not only the guys like Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez, these highly touted guys? It's also like Starlin Castro comes over from the Cubs and and becomes better than ever. At like all of these guys become better than ever every time they show up in New York, and I don't understand it. It's been happening for 20 years. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's no... Aaron Hicks was a big prospect for the Twins. And then he was a bust. I mean, he was a bust enough that the they traded him. Basically, they just got rid of him. The Twins just got rid of him. They traded him for... Who the heck did they trade him for? Like John Ryan Murphy or somebody? I mean, they traded him for nobody, basically. They just got rid of him because they just didn't think it was going to work out. Because he was at one point a top 20 prospect in the game. I mean, Baseball America loved him. And then he went and he did not hit, just like you're saying. And, it, and I think it was pretty clear to the Twins he never would hit. And they got rid of him, and the Yankees gave him a shot. And then you're right, he got he got into 123 games last year, so it wasn't like it was a nothing. And he didn't hit, just like he had never hit before. So, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's, it, there is some weird supernatural thing that goes on with the Yankees. I think that that's less surprising to me, though, than Matt Holliday suddenly crushing the ball again and, and Starling Castro, you know, suddenly becoming what everybody... D.D. Gregorius can't get that guy out all of a sudden. I mean, 
there is just something goofy about about the Yankees, and it's never going to stop ever. They're going to haunt our dreams forever. And now they're going to only get better because you know they're going to go ahead and make a, a move or two before the year ends where they're going to bring in somebody else. And then they've got a couple of other young players on the way. I mean, it's it's just doom from here on in. It's so frustrating. Matt Holiday is 37 years old. Yeah. He's 37 and a half, really. And right. he, out of nowhere, his OPS this year is 922, which happens to be the exact same OPS he had when he was 37 exactly. years ago. He is now, he's now everyone who's 37. It's what happened with Beltran. It's like they go to the yeah. Yankees and they they lose 10 years off of their off of their treads on their tires. I don't get it. And by the way, that year Matt Holiday was 30, he was an all-star. He finished 12th in the MVP voting and he won the Silver Slugger. I mean, it's it's I it's it's absurd. It's truly absurd and I hate it and it's not fair and it's not right. <laughs> Something must be done. You know, I was listening to the uh, was watching the Orioles game, uh Yankee Orioles game on Sunday and uh, Matt Holiday hit a two-run single at some point, and the announcers, uh, the Orioles announcers, were like, well, at least it was only a single, because he has like six home runs against the Orioles already this year, and it's, yeah. and he's Matt Holiday, he, Matt Holiday was toast, completely done in St. Louis, just done, right? I mean, he was, he was as 37-year-old as outfielders tend to be. And now he's a stud again. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of this. I, I don't even know what to say. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not gonna, it's not gonna stop. I, that's the thing. I, I, you know, I keep hearing people saying like, well, the, you know, expect the Yankees to, to, you know, go through a dry spell. They really do have no pitching. I mean, that pitching staff should absolutely not hold up. But I'm not buying it. I just don't think the Yankees are ever going away ever again. Just for the record, Matt Holiday, starting in his age 33 season, his yeah. OPS did what OPSs do for players when they are 33. It went down every year, right? Here, here are his OPSs. Uh, 879, 811, 804, 782. Then he goes to the Yankees. Oh, 922. Oh, it jumped up 140 points. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. And some of it, I have to say, some of it, especially for the lefties, is that ballpark? That ballpark is a is a jet well, stream going out to right center. You say that. And interesting you say that because I specifically went. You know what? I bet Aaron Hicks is uh, is, is is basically he's a, a a part of Yankee Stadium. Like Yankee Stadium is what's causing that. So I went and looked up his splits. He's hitting three eighty eight on the road. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's no explanation. There's none. Anytime you try to come up with like, oh, well, this kind of... No, there's no explanation. There's no logic behind this. It's, All right. it's, All right. it's scary. All right, hold on. I'm playing it again. Hey, that's scary. That's scary. All right, well, it's time for our draft, but for our draft, we have a second sponsor, uh, and I'm just going to read this ad, because I want. what I want you to do, if you can, is sort of grade me on how well I read this ad. Is, is that okay? okay. You, will you do that? Will you do that? Sure. Um, our second sponsor is Volvo. We'd like to thank Volvo for sponsoring the podcast, which is about the weirdest thing I could imagine saying. So I'm going to read the ad that they gave to me, and uh, and you tell me how I do. Here we go. After a long, dark winter, every Swede looks forward to Midsommar. 
And now Volvo is giving America a reason to look forward to it, too. Join us for our Midsommar sales event and get up to $4,500 off on select Volvo vehicles. Enjoy standard features like keyless entry, rear park assist camera, navigation system, and more. But hurry, summer doesn't last forever. Take advantage of this limited time offer today. Visit your local Volvo dealer for details. Offer excludes all V90, XC90 Momentum, and XC90 Excellence. Standard features may vary by model. See your dealer for details. Not bad. Oh, what do you think? What do you think? Yeah, I'd say, uh, I'm going to say B+. Plus. <laughs> I am taking that. It's a B plus. Midsommar. I had to look up how to say that. Do you, have you ever heard of Midsommar? Do you know about Midsommar? No, I mean, I, I assume it's Midsummer, but said in a in a Swedish accent, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, it's it's spelled Midsommar. M I D S O M M A R. Maybe that's like a holiday thing for them. Maybe that just says summer. I don't even know. I don't even know what that means exactly. But every Swede apparently looks forward to it, according to All right. Volvo. I believe Ad. you. <laughs> there you go thank you volvo for for sponsoring us all right um time for our draft i i love this draft i've been wanting to do this draft forever it's 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 not a controversial draft at all and it's it's going to go probably pretty quickly uh which i think is good but but it's i love this draft we are drafting favorite hitter swings right that is that is the draft that's right favorite hitter swings major league baseball and it is in throughout history of baseball favorite hitter swings. Are you going to take the first pick? Will you take? I the don't. First you pick? still have the first pick for the rest of time, essentially because of the peanut butter and jelly draft. <laughs> I I don't want it. I don't want it every week. It's not. It's too much. All pressure. right. Too much pressure. I'll take it. I'll take it this week. I'm happy to take it this week. And okay. and I, uh, I I say that um, even though this is uh, we assumed both of us individually that it was throughout history. I basically kept it to people that I've seen. Okay. Um, in my life, just for fun, just because there are so many great swings. This is a draft, but this is the deepest possible draft you can do with baseball because there's probably a hundred different choices you could make yes. that would all be legit. Um, so let's just going into it, just know that we're going to leave a lot of good swings on the. Leave, on the there's uh, going to be some. There's going to be some great free agent swings out there. No question. That's right. So my number one pick. I'm going. Uh, they're all going to be controversial, but I'm going with Ichiro. <laughs> Oh, uh, I like it. Yeah. Now, Ichiro, I mean, obviously, probably the best bat control, you would say, of, of any hitter I've ever seen, at least. But what I loved about Ichiro is he's the first baseball player to ever swing a bat like he was swinging a tennis racket. And what I mean by that is that he would, like, he would hit, he would, like, hit slices. He would hit backhand, what looked to be, like, backhand slices through the hole on the left side. Or sometimes he would try to rip a winner down the down the the uh, the right like to the baseline. Uh, he he had he he was the first, he he basically swung it like a cricket bat. He was he's the only major league hitter I've ever seen who who just tried to hit the ball. Who had like fifty different swings for depending on where he wanted to hit the ball. Did he want to yank it down the right field line, serve it into left field, chop it up the middle? Um, I, I've never seen anybody swing the bat the way he swung the bat. And I am only, the only sad thing about Ichiro's entire career is I wish he had come into the majors when he was uh, 22 instead of 28 oh, yeah. or whatever he was, because he would have destroyed Pete Rose's record. He would have had 300 hits in a year. He would have done what, I mean, there's, there's literally, he was so fast and he was, he would be running out of the box and he would flick a little backhanded 
slice into left center and and end up on second. I've never seen anybody hit the way, he, and I don't think we ever will. I don't think we'll ever see another guy who swings that way in that many different ways with that level of success. Um, so I'm going Ichiro number one. Yeah. Yeah, I, the thing I loved about Ichiro is exactly what you're saying. Hitting is so hard. Hitting a baseball, everybody knows that's like the hardest thing uh, to do. And he would be running toward the mound or toward first base while swinging a bat and hitting the ball. And he like never struck out, especially in his younger days. How does a human being do that? How does a human being, like, the ball's moving fast enough and with, with all sorts of spin, he's also moving, like, toward the ball, and yet he somehow finds a way to, to hit it and hit it exactly where he wants to hit it. That's, it's inhuman, right? I mean, there, nobody, nobody will ever have that kind of hand-eye coordination. No. Forget it. <laughs> Won't no, happen. It's insane. It's insane. All right, that's a very good pick. He was on my list as well. All right, with my first pick, I am going to take Will Clark swing. Um, Will Clark, when you're a kid, I mean, I wasn't that young when Will Clark. I was in college, I guess, when Will Clark came into the big leagues. But when you're younger, like, you don't realize that everybody sort of has the same reactions to, to people. I remember the first time I saw Will Clark swing the bat, I instantly wanted to be a left-handed hitter like Will Clark. I mean, it was long after any dreams of playing in the big leagues had had, had passed. But the way he, the way, not just his swing, because his swing was beautiful, but the way he would sort of wave the back gently behind his shoulder. I'm doing it now, like with, with my hands. The way he would just wave the bat, like just waiting, like could not be more relaxed or more comfortable. Uh, and then the swing itself was just pure gorgeousness. I mean, it was incredible. And I think, oh my gosh, you know, that that hit me in such a way that that it, you know it's is unique. But everybody felt that way about about Will Clark. And I just spent uh, a few a, a few weeks ago. I was interviewing Clayton Kershaw and was asking him about his childhood. And you know, Clayton Kershaw wears his number for Will Clark because he had exactly the same reaction. He he didn't want to be a pitcher. He wanted to hit and swing the bat the way Will Clark did. That, to me, is the greatest swing. When a swing can just make you wish you were that person, like, instantly. Will Clark, my number one overall swing. It's a good choice. Um, he, that The bat, the, like, perfectly balanced bat wiggle, like, the sort of, like, you know, just, just like, do 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 He was like a metronome just waiting for the pitch to come in. And I remember in that Cubs giant series, um, that great series where he and, and uh, Mark Grace were going like tit for tat that I remember thinking like, you can't get that guy out. Like it, w- it doesn't matter. Like you, 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 there's no pitch you could throw that guy that you could get it by him. He seemed to rip every pitch inside, outside, up and down, right, like da- right down the, the line. Uh, you could not get a pitch by him. It was just like, he just seemed like so perfectly, calibrated to be a hitter uh yeah great choice i'm gonna go um for my second choice i'm gonna go with uh, the guy that i spent my youth imitating from the other side of the plate which is wade boggs Uh, he didn't have the sort of metronomic quality but he had a similar thing which is that he moved his bat around in little circles and in 1985 every single little leaguer in the state of uh, connecticut at least central connecticut and above did the exact same thing 
uh, which is we all wiggled our bat around in little circles <laughs> because of Wade Boggs. And uh, he, I mean, he was, it, it was great to watch him for many reasons. He had incredible, he was incredible patience. He never swung at the first pitch, but when he did, he hit 400. Uh, he, he, there was a whole month where he popped up to the infield like once. What year? Uh, right, a whole year. Oh, the year, I mean, yeah, sorry. There was a year he popped up to the infield twice or whatever it was. There, he, um, and he just, he hit to left field, center field, and right field. He was just like a, his swing was just this like, he just, he walked up, he was perfectly aligned. You know, he was such a control freak that everything was exactly the same every time. He was like a precursor to Nomar in that way. And everything was exactly the same. It, the routine was exactly the same. And his, his bat was just so perfectly coiled. It was just like waiting. It was just going around in these little circles. And then the actual swing was like a perfectly balanced, perfect stride, perfect bat control. Uh, it was just a very, it was like a miracle of, of modern human engineering. So I'll go Boggs number two. You know, it's a great pick. I, I have him on my list as well, uh, largely because a couple of weeks ago I was in Cooperstown. They had the the Hall of Fame Classic up there, and they actually, uh, that was where they inducted Homer Simpson into the Hall of Fame finally. But anyway, Wade Box was there, and they had a home run hitting contest before the game. And Wade Box was not supposed to be part of it, but then sort of as a special treat, he went out to, uh, to be a part of the home run hitting contest. Uh, which he's what he's now he's fifty whatever fifty five or something like that, and he he didn't he hit like one out one or two out or whatever. But every single one he had ten pitches, all ten pitches he hit line drives every single one and hit him wherever he wanted to it was exactly the same thing. He just got in the box and he was just that like robot again that machine and he just whack just line drive line drive line driving and it was. It was just astonishing. It was just not the guy's. The guy's, you know, hasn't played baseball in 20 years. I mean, how many times could he have picked up a bat? And yet, there he was, stepping into the box now, and still, still that swing is still absolutely precise. I mean, awesome, great, great pick. All right, uh, with my second pick, I actually have one that I want to take, but I'm not going to uh, sort of gamble that you're not going to take him because I think it's time we had a right-handed hitter. I think we're going to be very, very left-heavy. Uh, in this draft, right? Because lefty swings are better than righty swings. We we agree on that. Do we? Is that true? Oh yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. Better. So, but I want I want a couple of righty swings also on my team. I want to balance it out a little bit. So I was trying to think of what the best right-handed swing is, um, and it's tough. I mean, it really is tough because none of them. I don't think you would call any of them sort of like beautiful. I mean, there are a couple that are pretty pretty sweet but but they're not generally beautiful so i'm not going to go with beautiful i'm going to go with gary sheffield uh with my second pick i don't think gary sheffield had a great swing per se i mean obviously it was a it was a great swing but it wasn't like a but the whole thing the whole act the whole him coming to the plate and waving the bat like i'm going to kill somebody i'm going to kill you uh if you even dare throw a ball this way he has no chance that thing is just waving like a maniac behind him. And then just the sheer anger and force with which he swung the bat. Uh, and he never missed. He, like, he never struck out. The guy, I mean, he, he did strike out some. But, I mean, he, he never struck out 100 times in a year. I don't even think he even struck out 90 times in a year. Uh, with that insane swing, that insane, rageful swing, uh, it's my favorite right-handed swing, I think. So I'm going to take Gary Sheffield with my second pick. You know what's funny is I did exactly the same thing, 
which is I went to the other side of the plate and I chose a swing that is the opposite of beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and my, mine is uh, Albert Bell. Oh, there um, you go. For, for, for like exactly the same reason. I mean, it, it was, it's Albert Bell was the scariest hitter, I think, uh, of his era. Yes. He was the most menacing hitter. His swing was not a thing of beauty. It wasn't Ken Griffey Jr. or Ted Williams. It wasn't this like beautiful fluid thing. The best right-handed swing, the the prettiest right-handed swing I think I've ever seen is Manny Ramirez. Oh yeah. But I kind of want I wanted to take Albert Bell because it was just like a it was a uh, a a sort of like a just a menacing like I'm going to destroy you. Like he you don't have a chance. I'm going I am better than you. I you can throw as hard as you want it doesn't matter. He gla- the way he glared in at the pitcher, he held the bat like like right out in front of him like a like a the way like a samurai warrior holds a sword before a battle. And then the pitcher would come in and it didn't matter where it was and he would just crush it. And I'm that the, the one of the greatest at bats in baseball history is the at bat where Bell had hit I think he'd hit three home runs already and he got hit and he tried to stay at the plate. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. He tried he tried to say, No, I don't I don't want to go to first base. I want to stay at the plate because he was gonna hit another home run. That's and that, that was just his like he was so he was the the on that Indians team, uh you know, and on every team he played on, he was the best uh he was the most fun hitter to watch. You never you never missed an opportunity to see him. And his swing was just this, it was weirdly like, it was both um, gigantic and also really compact. Like he yeah. was such a good athlete that he somehow had a, he had an enormous swing that generated a ton of power, but somehow he was, he was really quick to the ball. I don't understand it. It was just like, it was just impossible physicality. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm picking Albert Bell for exactly the reason you're picking Sheffield, which is like, you want, you, it's just like a, a, the, the violence of the swing was so impressive and incredible and great and so fun to watch. It's almost like that's what you want from a righty. Like from a lefty, you want like a beautiful, sweet, sort of almost slow, like a golf swing, just something just gorgeous swing. And from the right side, you want like violence. You want, and, yeah. and it's really funny and cool because Albert Bell swing could not be more different from Gary Sheffield's. Obviously, Sheffield, especially pre at bat. You know, pre-swing, Sheffield's all over the place. He's just totally flying all around. And and uh, Bell is just standing there with that bat straight up in the air. I mean, you, when you said that samurai sword thing, that's exa- it totally gave me the image of watching Albert swing. It's just like holding that thing just straight ahead and it just glaring at you like, you know I'm going to just crush this ball. You just know it. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't throw it. I love it. Love that pick. That's a, that's a great pick. All right, with my third swing, you mentioned him, so I'm going to go ahead and take him. I'm going to take Ken Griffey. I think I think uh, most people would say that Junior had the most beautiful swing uh, of of the last whatever number of years. Uh, I I think it is. I think it is beautiful. It's funny because I think it lost a lot of its beauty when he went to Cincinnati, and I not because he went to Cincinnati, but because he was getting older, and and he would swing, and it was like it was still nice. It was still a good swing, but he lost some of that cool flexibility of his youth because i mean when you would say the mid 90s when when junior was with seattle and hitting you know 50 home runs 40 home runs whatever he was hitting uh with the mariners that swing was just it was just a work of art that was just so gorgeous it's it's almost like you know it, it, they, they always talk about how you know in, the, in, in watching babe ruth 
you you would watch him strike out like you would the, because the, it was still exciting and it was kind of like that way with junior he, he would swing and he'd miss and he'd go back to the to the dugout and you'd be watching him go back going god that guy's so great you would just watch him strike out and that swing was still so perfect and beautiful um so i'll give it up junior with my third pick i think it's a steal at three by the way yeah that's uh it's like probably the best like video game swing like he had a video game swing it's like if you were a video game programmer and you were designing what like the perfect swing should look like from the left side that's that's who you pick right right i mean there's no one there's no one better there's no one more fluid and sort of beautiful and it's like you can if you say ken griffey jr the thing you think about in your head is that swing like that's the defining characteristic of ken griffey jr um i'm gonna go with another I, I was gonna go. I was gonna try to match you and pick a, another beautiful swing. Instead, I'm gonna pick another crazy right-hander, and that's Vlad Guerrero. Yeah. Uh, the reason I'm picking Vlad Guerrero swing is because there wasn't a Vlad Guerrero swing. There were 500 different Vlad Guerrero swings. He got into the box. He he had his feet were really far apart. He had a really long, uh, wide stance. His hands were really high. His bat was like straight up in the air. But then there wasn't a swing that he did. There were 50. If the ball was high and outside, he would just like stride at it and just like swing as hard as he could. If it, the, he would swing at balls low and in, he would swing it at a ball like low and away with a different swing. He would, I mean, there, there, was, there was a sort of basic swing, which was a ball, you, like a middle, middle ball, was just a basic stride and a violent kind of up, uppercut. That there was sort of, and then everything else, every other swing was a modification of that swing. Like there was all like, it was variations on a theme, you know, it was like a a person who had painted the same uh, vase of flowers like a thousand times. And so they like, they all, they they were all coming from the same guy. You could all recognize them as Vlad Guerrero swings, but they're, but they were, but every single one of them was different. And uh, I mean, we've said this before. He's a, he's a a favorite of the podcast, Vlad Guerrero. There's no one. There's no, there's no person who, like, if I had to watch one person hit for the rest of my life, I think I would choose Vlad Guerrero because right. you get the most variety in terms of, in terms of uh, what happens at the plate. So uh, I'm picking, technically, it's Vlad Guerrero's swings, plural, but I'll pick many him swings. as number four. The thing I loved about Vlad Guerrero's swings, many different swings, is they all, the only thing you could say, the only thing that really connected them all is that they were all incredibly hard swings. Like, he never, he never, like, reached out and, like, just poked at a ball. Like, even though the the ball would be seven miles outside, people swing at pitches outside of strike zone. Vlad Guerrero did not invent that. He was not the first guy to swing at everything, basically. But he's one of the first guys I've ever seen. You know, maybe Clemente, if you want to go way back. Um, but in my lifetime, our lifetime, he is the one guy who swung at everything hard. Every single thing was just, uh, I mean, and for a long time, he didn't miss either. He didn't, you know, I mean, that's, you would expect the guy to just swings like crazy like that to strike out 150 times. And he, he just had such a knack for it. I Love him. And he is. I think he is he's the favorite player of the podcast. I think he would yeah. be I think he's your podcast favorite player. I think if so. we were doing a like Jerry West logo guy to be the logo of our podcast, I think we'd choose Vlad Guerrero. And it would be on a ball like five feet over his head, like swing <laughs> like just swinging at it. 
<laughs> that would be an awesome logo. All right, uh, with my fourth pick, I want another righty. Uh, I'm going to go with a, with a, you know sort of a one that I think is a little bit underappreciated, even though he's not underappreciated as a player. I'm going to go with Albert Pujols' swing. It's it's kind of a swing that is beautiful. It's like a beautiful swing, uh, and it's beautiful in its simplicity. I mean, he stands. It's not as great now, obviously. He's not the same player. But if you think about him in his prime, if you think about him in that moment where he hit that ridiculous home run against the Astros in the playoffs, he's completely still. His body, he's got the legs really far apart. He's completely still. It's not like a weird far far apart like like Jeff Bagwell, where like Bagwell's almost doing a split and he's crouching. He's just like... His legs are far apart, and he's just in the most comfortable-looking stance. And then he let that swing go, and it really was, like, pretty gorgeous. I mean, just a gorgeous swing that he would just plow through the ball. Um, he never really gets talked about. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe people do. Maybe just right-handed hitters just never get mentioned in general. Um, but that's really one of the most beautiful swings I've ever seen. So I'm going to go with Albert Pujols with number four. That's an interesting pick. I don't really love his swing. I think it's weirdly kind of ugly. Really? Like I, I, I yeah, like I, it's impressive, obviously, and his balance is impressive, and like, but I kind of he looks awkward when he's waiting for the pitch. That kind of that sort of that arm uh, up and down arm motion that he does is just I I don't love it. I've never I I always felt like he. Uh, he was like the opposite of like Edgar Martinez or someone uh, like yeah. that who Edgar. or Manny who who had this sort of like from the right side had that Will Clark type sort of fluid balance like like caught like um, patient waiting for the pitch. He Edgar uh, or Albert always looks like awkward to me. I, I just uh, I don't it's just not I just I'm not into it. <laughs> <laughs> pass all right, all right. I pass on Albert Pujols. Pass on, that's fine. That is fine. Um, I guess I'm going to go, I'll go with, uh, uh, I already have Boggs. I was going to go with Tony Gwynn, but I already have Boggs. It's almost, it's not the same thing, but it's a, it's a, different a similar swing, thing. It's a pretty different swing. It's a different, it's a different swing. It was, it's more like, uh, it's, it's actually weirdly closer to Ichiro because he just sort of like slapped at everything. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to go, uh, I'll go with Chipper Jones. Um, Chipper Jones, it's, it's a little bit of, it's a fifth, last, last round pick. It's a little bit of a wild card, but the reason I'm choosing him is because he had two great swings. It's very rare to see someone. Let's talk about video game swings. Like he looked like he looked like the idea, the very essence of the idea of a professional baseball player. Like the way he was built, the way he stood, that his swing was equally good from each side of the plate. Uh, it wasn't like you know he was never he was never the flashiest player. He was never the most famous player. He's obviously going to be in the Hall of Fame um forever uh a all-time great and everything but his swing was like he just looked like i to me it's like if you had a kid who was learning how to swing you could point to chipper jones from either side of the plate and say just do that and then you would you would be, have a pretty good chance at success so it's not not from from neither side of the plate was he as good as uh, or as cool as a swing as some of these other people but because he was a switch hitter, I'll go with Chipper number uh, number five. All right, I, 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 your point is right. I, I have great respect for Chipper. If I never liked either of those swings that much, I mean they're fine. They're hmm. both, certainly they're both good swings. I mean, no, don't I'm not trying to. In, that's a very good fifth pick. With my fifth pick, I'm going to go with Bryce Harper. Uh, I think 
The thing about Bryce Harper's swing is that you get this sense that people look at him as sort of this tough guy. He's, he's constantly getting into fights and, and whatever, and he obviously plays really, really hard all the time and, uh, you know, all of those things, and he hits with great power. And I think it's easy to miss out on how beautiful his left-handed swing is, just how gorgeous that swing in and of itself is. Um, so I'm going to go with Bryce Harper, and I'm going to admit something that I shouldn't admit. I kind of thought of Bryce Harper as a switch hitter. Uh, for some reason, I kind of had in my mind that he switch hit, which is weird. You know, it's a little bit like with Pete Rose. Like, Pete Rose is a switch hitter, was a switch hitter, but I never, ever remembered him hitting right-handed. So uh, when I found out he was a switch hitter, I just kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I guess that's right. And that's kind of how I felt, except in reverse for Bryce Harper. I always had in my mind that he's a switch hitter, even though I've never seen him obviously hit right-handed. Uh, obviously, he's not a switch hitter. Um, but his, his left-handed swing, gorgeous. Uh, so I'm going to go with Bryce Harper as my fifth pick. I think you probably thought of him as a switch hitter because he's so talented that you just assumed he can do everything, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I think it's like if you were, if somewhere in your mind, it's also like, he's a really talented chef. Like, just cause you, you just, he's so good that it's like, I'm sure. Well, yeah, I don't know. He's probably can cook food too. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. I, I mean, I, I knew his hero was mantle. And so I kind of thought about it that way, I suppose. And, and uh, I don't know. I must have read something about him switch hitting when he was younger or something. I, something got in my mind about him as a switch hitter. Um, but regardless of that, his left-handed swing is – agree, thing of beauty? Do you love his left-handed swing? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's like a, it was, it's like, you know, mechanically engineered from birth to be like – he's, like well, he's like a Spartan warrior where, like, <laughs> that, that swing has been slowly, meticulously crafted for, like – the all 24 years of his life to be a perfect weapon. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So good. So we, we've gotten through another draft, and I think uh, both excellent teams. I, 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 I think I won, but I think we have excellent teams. I would enjoy watching both of our teams swing at baseballs for a, for a very long time. <laughs> all right, time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing. Sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, nor Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast whoa—it's one last whoa. Um. All right. Well, in relation to our uh, pause casting woes. I'm going to uh, say that the world of uh, of all telecommunication, uh, it seems like 17 or 20 years ago, we made this giant leap forward, and it was like 4G. Everything's 4G, and it's now it's crystal clear. And it feels like the amount of advancement we've made in terms of being able to communicate has basically ceased. And maybe that's completely wrong. I don't know. Maybe there's been as many advancements in the last three years. But like my internet, I live in the middle of Los Angeles, California. My my internet goes out constantly. And <laughs> it seems like we should have by now, none of this should be happening. Like it, the internet shouldn't go out ever. You shouldn't have to unplug your modem or your router and plug it back in. We shouldn't have a problem like making a, a 
voice call over our computers. This, we need to solve this. The internet needs to be up constantly and permanent. End of story. I couldn't agree more. I, I totally agree. I, I think that's there's a little bit of meaningful in there, I think. Um, so, uh, you know, but I think yeah, that, I, I, it's, it's a little too meaningful. It's a little too You're meaningful. Right. I apologize. <laughs> I won't do it again. And definitely, and definitely connects directly to to our our life today. All right, my, my one last meaningless thing is, um, I think twenty percent is should be the official tip amount. I think it kind of has become that, but you know, there's still fifteen percent sort of still lingers out there, and then there's like the weird eighteen percent, uh, which to me is pointless and and horrifying. 20% should be the tip. And, you know, I mean, I, I think we've actually done this before that I don't think there should be tipping at all. I think it should just be added to the bill. Uh, it should be count in the food. Like the restaurant or whoever should just charge you that so you don't have to, like, figure that out. Uh, so I'm opposed to tipping in general as a, as a concept. But, uh, but I think 20% is, is the correct amount to tip. All right. I'm, I'd, I'd go with that. It makes it easier to calculate, certainly. It's Exactly. Now, do you, are, where do you stand on tipping in general? Uh, I'm fine with it. I, I prefer the idea. I mean, given the fact that like American restaurants are so screwy and they can they get away with paying their uh, wait staff below minimum wage yeah. because they're supposed to make it up in tips, which is such a backwards and stupid idea. <laughs> I I, I uh, I'm fine. I'm totally fine with it. I don't I don't want it to be added to the bill because I feel like the I do feel like I'm giving money directly to the person in a good way, so I'm I'm totally fine with it. I also tip when I when you order food, then then pick it up and take it home. Do you put a tip on the bill? I do. I do. Yeah, I do too. And and I don't know that I think I don't know if you really should or not. I always do. I I to me maybe that's sort of the problem is that I believe that I I I'm a, I tend to be a fairly I I tip for everything. Um, which I think is fine, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, I guess that's part of society as we want it or whatever. It just seems to me like, just charge me and pay people what they deserve. That, that's, I'm, I just... Well, yeah, if you, could, if you could guarantee that, it would be fine, obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's my feeling. My feeling is, pay people what they should get, and, and charge me whatever it takes to do that. I think that's, that's fair, but... 20% as, as, the, as the rule goes. You can go above 20%, by the way, but 20% should be your sort of your baseline. That's it. All right. We did it. <laughs> we, we seem to have recorded this all the way through, which is staggering. Um, so as always, Michael, thank you. Thanks for having me.